Good evening, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome to the first edition of We Got Next with Derek Gervin and Paul Mokeski of 2023. And we had a great 2022 and we're looking forward to having even more fun and doing bigger things in 2023. I'm Ricky Hampton and my co-host, Paul Mokeski and Derek Gervin here on the Believe.com Sports Network. Uh, just happy new year, everybody. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. I hadn't seen you since last year. A long time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say happy new year to everybody. I hope everybody's being safe out there, and I hope you had a great holiday season. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, it's happy new year, and then – my birthday was yesterday, so I'm getting old. Well, it's the same new year and old Coach Mo. <laughs> happy birthday again, Paul. Yeah, happy birthday, Mo. That's always a blessing to be able to see that. And, and guys, we, you know, we have seen the real life enter the sports world uh, this week. And, and you guys, as former professional athletes, probably understand what occurred Monday night in Cincinnati as much as anybody when uh, uh, Jamar Hamlin went down on the field, you know, in, in the game between the Cincinnati Bengals and, and, and Buffalo Bills. Um, he had a heart attack on the field. Fortunately, great job by the paramedics on hand and staff to uh, be able to get out there and address him. He's currently in the hospital. And everybody's kind of guarded, but, you know, hopeful that this young man can make a, a recovery. But, but your thoughts, guys, as you saw this uh, and heard the news about what took place. Uh, start with you, Mo, and then you, Dave. Well, I mean, a couple things working for him, for sure. He's young and in great shape. Uh, he, he, the situation happened. And the medical team got to him in 10 seconds. So you think of, you know, if that's in a different place and it takes a while for someone to get there. Um, I, I saw, heard some doctors say when this happens, time is brain activity and recovery time. So the faster you can get to them, the less brain uh, uh, destruction and the shorter recovery time. Um, it was, uh, you know, I've seen this happen twice before in person. I saw it uh, happen to a referee in the D-League. Um, he went down on the court and uh, uh, was resuscitated. And what actually, he would have walked off if they let him. So he, he was okay. And uh, we continued the game. And, and uh, he went to the hospital and got checked out. I think, I think he refed two days later. And I've seen it in a Milwaukee Buck game. Uh, during the warm-ups, a fan in about the fourth row uh, fell, fell out, um, and there were doctors around him, and they, they took him away. Um, he, he was not so lucky. So um, it, it's just a, a tough situation. And a lot of people, like football, I mean, you know, my kids are grown, so I don't have to worry about them wanting to play football. And, you know, but on the same time, it can happen – in hockey, it can happen in basketball, it can happen. It happens in Little League or softball a lot more than you think because uh, players take uh, shots to their chest. And the deal is the heart is, uh, is on electronics. It's electrical. The system is electrical. And what they explained is, you know, there's a 60 to 100 beats a minute. So your heart is going like this. And if the right thing hits you at, and when you're in one cycle, then that's what happens. You know, it's kind of a, a fluke thing, but it happens. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, we saw the, the, you know, there's no way. These players have seen broken ankles, compound fractures, torn up knees, separated shoulders. But to see a teammate or an a NFL brother, athletic brother on the field, uh, give be given CPR for 20 minutes and then taken away. And I mean, that's a completely different scenario mentally. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, I think there's getting positive uh, uh, responses now from, you know, it's very important too that people out there be careful what you say, because some people leak this and leak that 
just listen to the team and the doctors, not anybody else on Twitter or any of this stuff, because they don't know. Uh, but for all reports, it sounds like he's recovering well. Um, you know, he's on a ventilator, but, uh, you know, uh, prayers and thoughts for, for everybody involved. Uh, just a tough situation. I don't have a lot to say about the situation. Uh, I want to send my prayers to DeMar Hamlin and his family, of course. Um, it's a sad situation. It's kind of like Paul and myself. Um, and Ricky, it's you and your job. We, it's a fraternity. It's like the Army, the Navy, all you got. You, you have a bond. And that's a special bond because it's not something that everyone does. And when you see that happen to anyone, a sport, another athlete, professional athlete, it breaks your heart. But any athlete or any anyone, but it breaks your heart. Uh, so I'm just glad he's making progress. Uh, any, for me, I wrote on Facebook earlier today that any progress is good progress. So he's a young guy, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think that works very much in his favor. And it was something that uh, – it was a tragic event. But I have to say the good thing about this tragic event is one that we've seen the guy so far he has pulled through. Um, it brought up the Hank Gathers – it reminded me of Hank Gathers' situation in 1990. Uh, so we just keep praying for the young man and his family. I know it's a tough situation for a mom to have to run out there on the field, on the road, or wherever it may be. And we have to also be mindful and thank, you know, try to feel for the family as well. So I just want to send my prayers to the young man. And it was a tragic event, and I'm glad he's making it through and he's making progress. Yeah, I saw that his mom was there, and that's a blessing or a curse. It's a blessing that she's there in person, could go to the hospital with them and all that. It's a curse that she had to see that in person. And uh, so it's kind of a, you know, I, I, but I think being close to her son is the most important thing uh, for her. And uh, the other thing is uh, there's a, a, a level one trauma hospital that they took him to was five minutes away. And for you people out there that don't know, um, you know, my son, uh, uh, was a police officer. He's now an investigator, but he told me if anything happens to him, he wants make sure they take me to this specific hospital. There's, you know, 10 hospitals in Vegas. They have to take me to this one. This is the trauma one center. You got to take me there, not the other ones. And that was, that was fortunate too. Hey, hey Ricky, let me say this quickly uh, before we move on. You know, the best part of all to me it was the human element. And like I was saying to you and Paul before we came on air, to see the human beings react the way they did, this had nothing whatsoever to do with race. You saw people being people. Uh, a lot of people were affected. Football fans, just people overall. No one was thinking about any racial tension, any of that. And that was the best part to me, to see that people still care about human life. And that's the part that it stuck with me the most. And that, that's the beauty of athletics, man. It, it brings people together from all walks of life as teammates, as fans in the stands. Ricky, now let's, not, now let's do it without something uh, tragic happening. Let's pull right. it together in 2023 just because it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all with you. And we definitely we want to welcome our viewers out there. Uh, Kayvon's checking in saying, uh, what's up, Big Mo? Um, and uh, okay, we're, well. glad to, we're, we're glad to have everybody uh, tuned in. Hey, man, the, the NBA, what a <laughs> week in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell poured in 71 points the other night for Cleveland. Uh, 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 Clay Thompson had a 54-point game the other night. Uh, Giannis had a 55-point game the other night. Uh, it's almost Luka, like video, the, it's almost the, like the, video uh, games in yeah. the NBA now. Hey, hey, don't leave out Luca and C.J. McCollum, too. Uh, C.J. McCollum and Clay. Clay yeah. had 54. Yeah, uh, Clay had 54. What, C.J. What, what's this <laughs> where's this surge in scoring coming from? Uh, start with you, D, and uh, you, then you, Mo. All I can see, Ricky, guys are in uh, supreme condition right now. They're in top shape. Uh, Joel Embiid's another guy I could throw in there. Uh, it's just it's crazy right now. You don't you don't have a lot of contact, as you know. And when so guys are when they get into their spots, man, you're seeing some special stuff going on. Um, I don't want to like say it's not because it's, the defense is minimal now, 
because still to be doing this is phenomenal. Uh, it's just like guys have all gotten hot, and it's rare. It's uh, all happening at the same time. But it's kind of similar to now, Ricky, look at all the guys averaging 30 points. Um, I believe Shea Gilders is still up there at 30. So it's just a, something they wanted high scoring. That's what we're getting now. And the stars have caught their rhythm. Um, and it's been something to see, man. It's been uh, very exciting. And Dominic, Don, I got to get Donovan Mitchell a shout out. Even though it was two overtimes, it still was 71 points, man. And, I mean, he was cooking. Yeah, he should have had 59, but they, they let up. The, the NBA and the referees admitted. We know, Paul. Isn't that crazy <laughs> how they do that? We are and how you violate it, like, a lane like, violation. It's like my bad. Who cares? It's over. You know, <laughs> you know I, I think um, first thing you would you would uh, look at is, is pace of play. And uh, uh, but that's not unusual. Uh, you know, it's not pace of play this year is not out of the ordinary of, you know, uh, for, for a long time. <clears throat> the other thing is the referees and the way they call the game. Uh, I think that is has some effect. But when you look at the, the free throw shooting in, per game, it's not out of line either. However, I think the defense and defensive mentality on uh, in, in the NBA now is ridiculous. I mean, I you know, there's so many layups and free. No one touches anybody. No one Paul, even tries to contest shots. Paul, you guard for three seconds, man-to-man -man defense, and then if you get beat, no one comes to help. You're driving yep. from the top of the key to the basket for un uncontested dunks. And here's the – when we played, if you ever let that happen and tried to block a shot from behind, that's bad defense. But they do it all the time. How many shot, shots are blocked from behind now? A lot of them because they get beat. Um, you know, so, you know, that has a lot to do with it because they're giving, you know, freebies to, to the, in the lane. And the other thing is, besides Clay Thompson – who I would be interested to see how many dribbles he took to get his 51 or whatever he had. Uh, all those other guys control the hell out of the ball. Luca, Giannis, um, uh, Devin, Book, Devin, Bo Devin Booker. Book, yeah. They all have the ball in their hands for extremely a long amount of time, extremely a lot of dribbles, and they get extremely a lot of shots. I mean, let's look in the past, right? How many – if, if uh, even Magic Johnson, one of the best point guards ever to play, would come down and dribble 20 times before he passed the ball, that would never right. happen. I mean, right. never. That didn't happen. Isaiah Thomas, those guys, that never happened. And now it's a norm. Luka controls the ball 80% of the time. Giannis, when he does an outlet, he dribbles down and does the same thing. So that leads to all the scoring, too, from those guys. Hey, Ricky, you know, you know what I said? And I wrote it a few days ago on Facebook. And what we're looking at now, it's around the world. Like when you play, uh, the people that play out on the playground, when you play the game around the world, the shooting contest. That it, it, I mean, it really is if you look at it. And then it's also, it's also become they should bring back the one-on-one -on -one in the NBA contest like they had years ago. Because all we're watching is a lot of one-on-one -on -one with these certain guys Paul's talking about uh, beating the ball to death. Uh, Joel Embiid. A lot of these guys are getting maximum Pardon. opportunities. Yeah, yeah, so that they yeah. get, so you get opportunities. You're gonna, you know, you get in the rhythm. Yeah, but it's around the world, Derek. Except now, you play around the world, and you could drive and get a layup, and there's nobody there. <laughs> I, went, man, I went to, I, I Ricky. Let me say, I went to a high school game last night. I watched the junior varsity and the varsity. Man, it's unbelievable what they teach you. <laughs> these guys don't shoot like the Stephs and the KDs. They're no, passing up wide open layups and passing to the three. And sometimes it's a turnover. At the end of the game, when you add up those points, think about those open layups that you passed up. That would have been baskets and would have been a difference between you winning and losing. It's sad to see. Well, and that's, a, that's bastard, bastardizing um, analytics. That's bastardizing it. That's not what analytics says. Like, but the high school coaches don't know that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And I'm glad you mentioned that because check this out, guys. We got one, two, three. We got Lucas leading the league, 34 game. Joe, 33. Giannis, 32. Uh, uh, Shea Gilgers, Alexander, 30. Jason Tatum, 30. Kevin Durant's right there, 29.6. And you have 17 guys 
averaging 25 points or yeah. more in the NBA. Here's uh, a stat I would like to see. Is this better? No, here's a stat I would like to see. I don't care what they – I want to see how many shots they take. Tell me how many shots they take. Tell me how many shots Luka takes to get his 30-whatever points a game. 20, 25, 30? Yep, 30. Hey, hey Ricky, it's got to change. You know why? Because all the more guys you got 25 points a game, the more salaries guys are going to want. So how, how long is that going to go on? I mean, it, and it takes away from the game. I want to know who the real scores are. Lucas right taking take 23 shots a game. Yeah, 23 shots a game. And 10 of those are threes. Yeah, it's 23 shots a game. I mean, yeah. Derek, how many points would you score with 23 shots a game? And, and Paul, and you giving me 10 of them as threes? Oh, come on. Oh, you know, you'll be out to 40. Even on your off, hey Paul, and you, and you know why he's right about Luca though, Ricky. And it's not to diminish what he's doing, but you got to think. And this, he has the ball on the low post. He has it on the perimeter. He's dominating the ball, and everyone's playing off of him. So you get a, a real scorer getting opportunities with minimal contact. And as strong as Luca is, just picture trying to guard him under the basket. And he has good footwork under there when he's not palming the ball. So that's going to, man, that's like, oh, boy, that makes it real tough on the team, on the, on the, on the defense. I, you know, I watched some of uh, L.A. and Charlotte, Lakers and Charlotte. I think LeBron had 40 points. Four, so he had 47, he, yeah. He was shooting layups. Uncontested layups. He just go to the basket and, and lay it in. It's a layup line. It's a lay, no one even tries. No one even tries. It used to be even like the help defender, Paul. You know how the guys that really hustle, and a lot of people might like disagree with this, but I'm not bashing this era. In our era, you were taught to hustle until the play was over. So even like, Paul, if you were guarding the guy on the weak side on the short corner over there and they were driving from the other side, you still would run over there and try to put up some kind of resistance. Today, if a guy's beat, you just stay with your man and just go inbound the ball. Just watch the ball go through the basket. And that's the just part I really don't like. Yeah. I mean, no kind I mean, of help. Like, I mean, I, I was known for taking charges. I would come over and take charges, put my body on the line, and players hated it. They hated it. There's a name guys besides uh, Smart uh, with the Celtics that take charges anymore. No one takes charges anymore. That, I mean, that that is true. What I, I mean, oh, but, but my question, guys, is, is this good? Is this good it's, for the game? It's good for the fans, Ricky. It's not. I'm sure there are a lot of players like that might not um, love it so much from the old school, especially because we used to a different brand of basketball. I like the scoring, but I, I like resistance. We didn't play this game just for a lot of now. It's more of a social media. You're playing for your brand and all that kind of stuff. When we played, it was strictly for wins and losses. It wasn't about the uh, money. It had nothing to do with money or your fame. It had everything to do with we wanting to come out and whoop a butt. And that's the mentality we grew up in. We grew up the same mentality that Mike and Kobe have. That's how our era grew up. It's not just those two. Then the reason it's changed and the reason the fans might like it is because fans of today's game don't follow teams for the most part. When we played, they followed teams. Celtics, Lakers, Pistons, where they follow teams. Now they follow players. Players. LeBron yep. to Cleveland, okay, we'll follow LeBron. If Cleveland goes to Miami, okay, over there. Then we go Lakers and follow LeBron. They follow players. And that's that's why the fan, if you follow teams, this is terrible for basketball. Having a guy dominate the play all the time and shoot all the shots. It's horrible basketball. But these people, the fans, most of the fans, today's game, they play uh, NBA 2K, they play the video games. They go out and try to imitate it, and they follow players. Luca, LeBron, whoever, they follow those players. So whatever they do is fine. Hey, hey, uh, uh, Kayvon says, uh, and he's it, talking about Nick Nurse. His guy, Nick Nurse, has a proven track record as a pro basketball coach. And, of course, he led Toronto to a NBA title. And he's talking about oh. – the value of Mike Budenholzer in, in Milwaukee. What has he done? I mean, 
Trayvon, Mike Budenholzer, they won an NBA title. Two years ago, not five, two. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, I'm man. Just... You can't you can't hate on the man. Uh, I mean, and Nick, Nick, what place is Toronto in this year? Fifth, like, sixth, seventh, six or seven, because they like yeah. 20 and 18, 20 and 18, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I the Bucks won a championship two last year, two years ago. Yeah, I, I you know, this, this is, uh, you, you go down here, there are 43 guys averaging 20 points or more in the, in the NBA. 43 guys <laughs> this late in this season. Yeah, that, for that, that's, 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 <laughs> that's a lot of guys. And I forgot to mention uh, Luca's 60-point uh, game the other day, too. He had a 60-point, 20-rebound game. So, well, yeah, 20, 21 rebounds is more impressive to me than 60 and 10, points. And 10, and 10 assists. The Spurs mm-hmm. held him uh, pop. Well, Pop almost attained his goal. The Spurs wanted to hold him to 50. Well, he got 51. <laughs> so, so, so Pop said that before the game. His, the goal was the whole Luca to 50. He gets and I, 51. I, I'll tell you what, how sad is that? And I'm telling you, as great as, uh, you know, Ice was, as great as MJ was, great. if our only purpose in Milwaukee with me and Terry Cummings and Jack Sigma and all these guys, we're going to hold uh, um, Michael Jordan to under 50, we would have done it. So we would have found a way to do it because we 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 would not give them uncontested shots. We'd be able to touch them a little bit and we'd be physical with them. But that's hey, out hey, the window now. Hey, hey, Paul. One day though, I got to tell you the quick story. Uh, the Indiana Pacers had a um, a night that if you hold George below forty, that you that you went fried chicken or something like that. True <laughs> story. And George came out and gave him fifty five, and he said, uh, "No fried chicken tonight." No chicken tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. That is a great night. Hey, hey guys, did you remember uh, uh, when 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 Mike came in? Did you remember he was always a fantastic scorer and all that? But do you remember the jump he made to just a yeah. dominant kind of guy? Or was it when he was surrounded by pedigree? <laughs> Can I take this one first, Paul? Sure. I don't even think it was uh, – I think it was just a culmination of things, Ricky. Like, for one, maturity. You learn the league, right? So you know how the league goes. He started maturing before Scottie Pippen even got there. Um, we saw with Doug Collins. It wasn't working. Uh, Mike was very ball dominant. And Mike wasn't happy playing that way. He got tired of losing because from the time he came in the league, he was about winning. And he even got, as he got tired of losing to us, the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, but he, Paul, you know, he got tired of losing, though. So it's not like he was happy. I think some people talk like Mike was enjoying just putting up points. He was also playing defense. He was defending. I mean, and he had to learn that his way wasn't working. I had to learn that in college, that my way wasn't working. And I had to learn to – you could still get your points. I mean, you might score more. Because the more you distribute the ball, the more opportunity it gives you. And Mike started understanding that. So Scotty and Horace finally put him over the top. But he was already starting to mature as a player. And I just want people to realize that. It just didn't all of a sudden happen overnight. He did no, play I, for Dean Smith, by the way. Yeah, I, 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 Dean Smith is the only one to hold him under 20 points a game. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, as far as teaching, as far yeah, as no. teaching the game, yeah. yeah. I totally agree because I I was there. I I played against him in the second game in the league. We we used to beat up on him all the time. We used to sweep him out of the playoffs. Now his his uh, his role players weren't as good as they were when Pippen came in that. Uh, but he he matured and he learned how to play. And here's the biggest thing I think that he he finally found out. He found out he needed to trust. He needed to trust his teammates and trust his coach. That's what he needed to do. Because when you look at a couple of the championships, he didn't make the winning basket. Steve Kerr did. John Paxton did because he trusted to pass it to him finally. When he got that in his mind, he was unstoppable. We could stop. You know, our biggest thing was, my biggest thing was, and when we play the Bulls, I don't want to get embarrassed by Jordan. 
<laughs> so I'm going to try and grab him and wrap him up before he can dunk on me. It wasn't that we're going to lose to him. We weren't going to lose to them. But then he learned trust and he got a better um, uh, group around him. And that's when he skyrocketed for sure. But Derek, I want to definitely, Michael Jordan, you know, I played against him. He was the owner of Charlotte when I was there. He's the most, one of, if not the most competitive person. So he didn't care about handling the ball. He wanted to win. You're, you're right on point with that. He's a, he wants to win no matter what. Well, he figured it out. And, it, it, you know, a lot of people forget it took him a while. Yeah, I mean, well, the first year, I think we swept him out of the playoffs. Second year, I think he hurt his foot, right? Yeah. And then right. the next year, they, they fired Doug, I think. And then, and then that's when he started to take off. But, yeah, three years, it was nothing. And, you know, he doesn't – the funny thing is because people are so uh, interested in the LeBron-Jordan competition that they forget Michael's also a guy that could distribute if he had to. He did it in a 10-game period. I get what, triple-doubles, like 10 out of 11 games or something? That just wasn't what it called for with the team that he was with. So I don't want people to diminish his skills. When people say that he didn't have a, a weakness or – I'm still – as a guy that been on the floor with him and watched him for years, I still don't know what his weakness was. Uh, I hear people say the jump <laughs> shot, but we know that turned into a positive as well. So after that was his weakness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was defensive player of the year for a few years, right? I mean, and he was always on first team. And, and then later with the triangle and stuff, he got a post game too. He was a killer down yeah, in the post. He was going to post. Three-quarter yeah. post. Yeah. Huh? He was a, he was a terrific player. I mean, obviously, can, can you imagine in today's game with, with some of the rules we have? Uh, uh, so here's let's throw this out here then because we're already talking about this. So Luca had sixty and twenty one and all this stuff, you know, and, and his his backups, you know, they're better than they were. Wood is better, but they're not. When will he finally figure out that number one he needs? I thought it was Pozingas, but it turned out not to be Pozingas. Oh, he needs, boy. He, he needs another guy like that, and then he needs to start trusting his teammates and not yelling at them and not pouting and not whining at the refs. And that's that's a big question mark now. If he does that, then he can skyrocket. If he doesn't, he's going to be what he is. Paul, I think he's, I think he's gotten it the last uh, month or so, I'll say. And the reason I say that is because we talked before, remember, and I kept saying how he wouldn't play with Christian Wood and how Christian Wood should be that second option. It seems like now all the guys are starting to accept Christian Wood as the second option and guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. So we had, we still didn't know who's he going to go to. We know he has his security blankets and Finney Smith, Hardaway and Cleaver, guys that have been with him for a period of time. But now it looks like he's trusting these guys. And then they got this kid that no one talks about, Josh Green. Oh, boy, is he going to be a player. So um, I think Luca's starting to see now that if he goes and plays with these guys, he's done it the last six. They won six out of the last seven games. And they've done with him uh, getting 50 and 60 points. So I think he's starting to understand um, now not to dominate the ball as much. And I think he's understanding that if he does that, it keeps him fresh in the second half or in the fourth quarter, and he can still get his points. Maybe now that way he'll score 18, 20 in the fourth quarter sometime when they need it. And here's the other thing Luca needs to, to realize, too, that he needs to make it easier for himself because he's going to wear himself out. You know, if you're re re required to score all that and handle the ball and do all that, there's very few high-level scorers like Ice that could go a whole game and score and, and do his thing and, and he still have all the energy. He looked like he never used no. <laughs> Hey, Paul, Paul, but, do you but, worry? But, but, but Go ahead, you look I'm sorry. At, like, look at Luca after he scored, Kobe when he scored a lot. Those guys are spent. So you need to realize, hey, let me, let me give – Giannis is another example. Let some other guys work for a while. You take a break and then take over. And then, Derek, just like you said, you can score 20 in the fourth when it matters. Hey, Paul, over the course of a season, don't you worry about Luca more than you worry about some guys like Luca and the Zion, who we know is out now. But because of Luca, Luca's body, doesn't that take that, – that takes a lot. Isn't that more so him than a guy that's felt like a Kobe or a Mike 
wouldn't it be a little more, a little harder on the body, a little more on the body, uh, the way that Luca plays and him being the size that he is? Yeah, I, I think know he doesn't, do he doesn't jump a lot and all that, but I'm just yeah. saying, over oh, having to do so much. I think he doesn't jump like Zion, so landing and and uh, pulling the hamstring and all that, that's not him, but he takes more of a beating than Zion because remember after the game the other day, some player said, hey, he's playing football and we're all playing basketball. But, but he jumps and gets hurt. Luca takes more of a beating. You know, he, he doesn't get that injury of jumping. Well, he wants to fade. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah. players, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're beating on him. And, you know, that takes a toll. You know, that physicality takes a toll. I wonder about that, Ricky, going down the uh, second half of the season after the All-Star break uh, with Luca. That would be the only question I really, really have for Dallas right now. Well, well speaking of Zion, uh, uh, He's one of these guys that's averaging more than 25 points a game. He's had a great year when he's been on the floor, 26 points, seven rebounds, and uh, almost five assists a game. And he's played in he, – he, he, he had only missed eight games so far this year, uh, eight of 37 games, which is pretty good for him. But he's going to be out for at least three weeks now with a uh, a hamstring injury. And, and it's just – Brings me back to something you said about him in college, Derek. Not even talking about his uh, his physical fitness was just his uh, his playing style. You always worried about it. You, you talked about the way he played would possibly cause him some problems in terms of injuries. And it seems like we're seeing that play off. Explain to our viewers uh, what you were talking about when you. When, when he was back in Duke and, and then get you in on this mode? Well, in college, he's learned a little more in the NBA. Uh, in college, he, he you know, he's a very high jumper. And he's a leaper, and that body is not made for all that jumping. And if you look at it sometimes, he lands really hard. Uh, he's not a soft lander. Sometimes when you're jumping in the crowd and all that, you know, he's jumping really high. And if you look at his body, it's not it's something unusual, like a Charles Barkley. That's why there's only a few of them that you can name that with that body type. And it always made me question him uh, when he learns because he jump at every shot. Uh, you, at some point, he was going for every rebound. He's not doing that anymore, not like he used to. But it just sets you up for injury, Ricky, because the more you jump, he's just, you, if you notice, he jumps a lot. If he misses a shot, who's the first guy off the ground? It's Zion. And with his body type, your body can only take so much. And I just feel like uh, just him being as big as he is, you, you're going to be susceptible to injury. And that's what I've always worried about, and we've seen it now. The good thing is his injuries haven't been coming as frequent. But, yes, the rest of his career, I'm going to worry about him just because of the way he plays and the style and all that jumping and landing. That's why my back went out. To, so your body can only take so much jumping and landing. And Paul understands that. You don't have to be the highest jumper. But the body can only take so much. I mean, and here's the, yeah, I mean, 70% of NBA basketball is played below the rim, you know? So, I mean, you, you got the flyers and like he is, but the one thing that kind of bothers me about Zion, besides the injuries, is his rebounding numbers. Aren't Seven very rebounds. Good. Thank yeah, you, Paul. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, if you could jump like that, what? And you got that body? I mean, I compare him to Charles Barkley a lot because they got the same body type. Charles didn't jump as high. Charles probably was a little bit longer, but they're the same size and they played the power position. When you look at Barkley's rebounds, besides his, his rookie year, he averaged eight. He averaged 12, 14, 11, 12, 11, 10, 12, 11, 11, 11, 13. At the same size, Zion, why aren't you rebounding too? <laughs> He's an offensive-minded guy. Hey, Paul, hey, Ricky, now here's the question I have for both of you guys. Because they've been right there. I think they're second right now in the uh, West um, behind Denver. Can yeah. they – let me just show you how things could happen that could show how – that could mold your season. Zion's been in and Brandon Ingram's been out. And they've played very well. Now, I've, at some point, I believe – is Brandon Ingram back yet? He'll be coming back soon. And now you'll get an opportunity to see them with Brandon Ingram as opposed to Zion. And so we're going to see this is this this is something that can make their team better 
uh, as you go down, uh, as the season goes on, because right now I was worried about how they would play together uh, when uh, Brandon Ingram comes back, because we haven't seen a lot of Zion, C.J. McCollum, and Brandon Ingram. So this might be a blessing in disguise. Hey, let me go to let me go to some. Well, go ahead, Mo, and then I want to go to some of these comments we got from our viewers. Yeah, I was going to hit. I agree, Derek. The problem is when when Ingram comes back, then Zion Zion's going to be out for three or four weeks, whatever. Now he's got to come back, and can they do? Can they gel at the end of the season in time for the playoffs and make a run? Because they do have the talent. We'll see eventually. Hey. Uh, Rick Schulte uh, says good points on Derek. Too. Uh, good points, Derek, talking about Zion and his uh, his issues. Kefta says MJ would kill these guys today. He would be a leading scorer, defensive player of the year, and have more than six rings. Well, that would depend on who he played with, Captain, but he would certainly be a, a catalyst. And you're right, Captain. It took MJ seven years to start winning. And uh, Kayvon asks... Uh, Derek, do you know Joe Prunty? Joe Prunty. Yeah. Yes, and, from, down, from the Spurs, yes. Yeah, and who's now the lead assistant coach to Nate McMillan in Atlanta. And, and, Atlanta, he, yes. and, and Mo, he asked you your thoughts on uh, Prunty. As a I, was with Joe, I was with Joe Prunty in Dallas when, when I was coaching in Dallas. And, um, and I know he worked with the Great Britain national team also. So, you know, he, he's a – He's along the same lines, um, Kayvon, as uh, Nick. I mean, they're s- similar per- personalities. Um, uh, Nick's a little more outgoing. Uh, Prunty is more a uh, numbers guy and analytical, but uh, kind of the same mold. And, uh, you know, he'll probably get a chance here. Um, he will. Mm-hmm. In the next – he's been around. He's bounced around. He was Avery Johnson's guy for a while. Um, so, yeah, they, he kind of reminds me of Nick Nurse a little bit. He'll get a chance next year. Somebody's, Paul, we know somebody's going to be moving on a few coaches. What's your prediction? How many? How many? What's the over-under? Over-under. I'll put the over-under at eight. Over-under at eight. I was going to say six. Yeah, I'll put the over-under at eight. I mean, what? I mean, you got, you know, uh, my guy Chris Finch is in Minnesota. He's on the hot seat. Um, Paul, wait actually. now, is that his fault? Because I thought about it because I had yeah. him on the hot seat, remember? But I'm just saying, the move yeah, it doesn't that matter. they made, I'm just, well, yeah. that's true. Well, okay, doesn't matter. I'll, I'll stop. I mean, yeah, Darvin <laughs> yeah. Ham's on the hot, she- right. on the hot yeah. seat. Um, yeah. You know, any, it just doesn't matter. That's the business. And yeah, six, 16, you know. Ricky, 6 to 18. So we agree, yeah. really, Paul, 6 to yeah. 18 yeah. will be making yeah. moves. And that's, a, that's for sure. The yeah, carousel, go, carousel Dwayne goes Casey. Dwayne a, Casey, I believe this is his last year in Detroit. I really believe excellent that. Excellent coach. Excellent coach. Just wrong well, wrong system, wrong program. Will, will they stick with Jacques Vaughn in, uh, in, uh, in, with, uh, with Brooklyn? Or will they try and go after uh, the Celtic guy? You know, hey, speaking of Brooklyn, they have won 10 straight, guys, and are now 25 to 12 just a half game behind Boston for the top spot in the East. 12 straight, sir. 12 straight. 16 out of 17. We all know. Yeah, 12 straight. 12 straight, yeah. We all know their roster is loaded. We all know they have the talent. We're just waiting for the Kyrie Irving tree to fall again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ricky, I told you guys, you're going to be saying that all season, man. We'll see. <laughs> they they get ready to go. They get to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're right now the two best teams in the East. Right now, today, the two best teams in the East are the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. You, you know, you know, what about Boston? Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Boston's four and six in their last ten. Milwaukee's five and five. We will see. Boston gave up one hundred and fifty points the other night. They're not playing good, Ricky. I'm telling you right and, now, the two best teams are Cleveland and uh, Brooklyn. And, and how about this? Jalen Brown called the team out. He said, hey, man, we pick and choose when to play. Yeah, that's what happens when you – yeah. Didn't that, doesn't that kind of remind you of uh, Phoenix after they came out losing four in a row to Milwaukee? 
They came out the next year. They had a really good team, but they picked when to play too as well. It's hard to get back sometime to regain what you had last season. That's the NBA now. But 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 it's a long <laughs> season too. I mean, they're five and Boston's five and five, and they have Up lost two straight. I, I just don't like them, Ricky, and I really don't like Milwaukee. I, I won't, and I like Milwaukee because I'm Milwaukee, but I'm not going to judge Milwaukee until Middleton comes back and plays for a full month at least. And can we get a full month out of him, Paul? You notice he's getting hurt more and more. We haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, what's the, the bubble Chris Middleton? We haven't seen the, the all-star Chris Middleton going on two years now. So, uh, yeah. I, and, then, and then I don't like Grayson Allen as an addition either, not as a starter. I just think the, their team that's, they're right for the picking, I'll say. And I think that's that I don't see them going that far this year. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, Middleton's injury scare, I don't know what it is, scares me. But if he's healthy and they got Lopez and they got Holiday and they got Giannis, and go ahead and put um, uh, Grayson Allen back on the bench and see what we got. Portis hey, is playing his butt off, too. Uh, you're watching uh, We Got Next with uh, former NBA players, uh, Derek Gervin and Paul Mokeski. I'm Ricky Anton. You can catch this show and all our shows on the Believe uh, Sports Network. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Uh, Christopher Reinders. Chris, I, I sure hope I said your name right. He has a question for you, Derek. Derek, when you were working out in the summer, did you work out with your big brother? And how old were you? When and if you got your first win against him. <laughs> that, must have been, that must have been special if you were able to get a win against your big brother. Well, first, let me uh, – I want to also thank Rick for the comment he made earlier. Uh, man, that's a great question. I actually started playing George one-on-one. He's 11 years older than I am. So we started really playing when I was like 13 years old. Um, and I tell you, I, he played me like I was a grown-up. So – as you know, I wasn't getting any W's at that time. I, I, I got I got my first uh, win, I would say I was in college at uh, 18 years old. And it's funny because my teammates used to watch us play after practice. Uh, we used to play the Spurs and our UTSA. We scrimmaged to, together out at our school. And afterwards, George and I would play one-on-one. And, boy, they were intense battles. Uh, I mean, we were brothers that neither one of us wanted to lose. And so you can just imagine, just picture Kobe. I can answer quickly. Picture Kobe and Mike playing against each other one-on-one. I'm not putting us on that level. I'm just saying as players, so we both could score. But just picture the just picture the fierceness, and that's how it was right there. So 18 years old, but I sure took uh, hundreds and hundreds of poundings, I'm telling you. Did you let him, did you let him know when you finally beat him? Oh, come on, Paul. Are you serious, man? I was like a kid in a candy store. Just imagine, just imagine if you go, if you down 500 to zero in a series, <laughs> in a series against someone and you, and you finally get your first win. I mean, yeah, you're going to be pretty excited about it. So, hey, you, you know, you know, the next time we have ice on the show, we're going to bring this up. <laughs> oh, he'll, oh he'll, no, he'll, he'll second it. It took me years to get win. I'm too competitive not to win in. And I, I, I guarantee he knows that game, and he knows exactly what shots were taken and made. I guarantee he knows that. <laughs> Great question. Chris, I, I, if you are a new viewer, man, I don't think I've seen your comment here before. Thank you for your comment, and welcome to the show. We're typically on Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch us here. Like I said, you can catch all our past shows, including a great interview with Iceman Gervin and Dr. J on the Believe.com network where we have an archive. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. In fact, I will type that into the comment box for all our view, uh, viewers out there to check out. Go to that site and check out some of the great uh, interviews we've had in the past. We've had the A-Train, Artist Gilmore, uh, Rick Barry, uh, oh gosh, I, I can't Jack Sick, it. Jack Sigma, Bob McAdoo, we can go on and on and on and on. Hey, Ricky. Byron, Byron Scott, we, uh, oh, Del Harris. Yes, all sir. The referees, we've had them all. We've had referees on the show. Uh, Peter Vesey, I mean, it's unbelievable. Mark Stein, yeah. Wow, yeah. I could go, we can go all day. Wow. 
Yeah, you were gonna say something, you had a comment. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to, after the believe thing, I wanted to kind of <clears throat> cover a team before we got off because I yeah, think they yeah, need to be talking. Because we just got a couple more they, minutes. Here. Yeah, I have to, I have to talk about this team because I wrote them off, and um, I'm kind of swallowing myself. I'm not too proud to swallow my pride. Um, the Denver Nuggets are the team I picked that you guys know I picked at the beginning of the season when it started to win it all. I'm a little nervous now with Denver having only one team that has bothered me, Ricky, and they call it the Golden State Warriors. And what I'm seeing right now uh, is a team that's uh, switched up their lineup. They're playing this guy, Ty Jerome. They're playing uh, Dante DiVincenzo. They're playing Anthony Lamb. And they're playing – Moody has been playing better. They look like – oh, and I can't leave out Patrick Baldwin Jr. They have been so impressive since uh, Steph has been out. It's got me nervous for when Steph gets back. I don't like what I'm looking at right now. I see a team that's turning the corner, and I don't like it. Tenth seed, and they're getting ready to move up the ladder, and I don't like that at all. And and they get Steph back. <clears throat> they're targeting January 13th for uh, Steph to uh, make his return. This is now, the number. This is the number. For the be- one of the best teams at home, one of the worst teams in the NBA at, on the road, they have seven games in a row at home. This is going to make yeah. their run before the yeah, I, uh, All-Star break. And, I, and, Paul, I think the road the road war, uh, weariness is going to change as well. The way they plan, it just looks like a team that's um, figured it out, man, and that's scary for me. I don't like what I'm seeing at all, man. I'm glad Steph is coming back, but that only makes me a little sadder because Clay seems to be getting in the groove now. Um, we know Poole is playing well. It just seems like everything's clicking right now. And, you know, for me, that's not a good sign. I don't want my guy Steve Kerr on the hot seat. Stay off the hot seat, Steve. <laughs> yes, you know who's hanging in there? Uh, the Sacramento Kings. I told you, Ricky. What 20 are they? 16, 20 and 16 in the fifth spot. Uh, you know, they can score the basketball with anybody. They average uh, 118 points a game. They're capable of winning. They're upsetting someone in the first round, possibly, but that's as far as they'll go. But they have made a lot of improvement, and I think uh, having Sabonis in there makes them a team that everyone has to take serious. They have a pretty good team. They're also – everybody overlooks this, but they got a coach there named Mike Brown that knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah. He's a really good coach. Steve Kerr, right, because Mike – hey, Paul, Steve has missed him somewhat this year. They seem to be making an adjustment. But yeah, yeah, that was a big that was a big loss. Yeah. Hey, any, any final thoughts, guys, before we get out of here? Uh, I want to say my prayers again for Mr. Hamlin. Uh, I hope the young man can pull it through. I'm glad to see uh, him making progress. And I just want to tell everybody, this is a new year. So hopefully everyone's year ended on a positive in 2022. And if you don't feel it ended as positive, I'm hoping that you can get it straight in this next uh, month, this month of January, and I hope everything goes well, and uh, we're going to keep moving forward. We still have good people out there, so we're going to stay positive, and we're just going to have a great 2023, and I thank hey, you all a, for tuning in. And, and, and we certainly appreciate all the comments. Uh, Steve Schroeder says he's great. That's okay, Steve. You can catch it on the Believe.com network and uh, all our past shows. We'll be back on our regular time uh, next week. Captain says, bow down to them Warriors, uh, Derek Bourbon. And, <laughs> and Kayvon says, the Sac- Sacramento benefits from coaches like Mike Brown and Doug Christie. Uh, just so, what you guys were talking about. Good point, Kayvon. Uh, so Bo, anything to close the show with? Yeah, the biggest game in the NFL season is coming up this this weekend, right? Detroit Lions versus the Green Bay Packers, right? Right? Where where are they playing today? We're playing in Great in Lambeau. So oh, you got no chance then, sorry, man. We're no, going to shock the world. Ricky, this will be the first time in years, man. I'm so excited. We're ready to make the playoffs, and uh, hey. we beat them uh, first time. The first game was fifteen to nine, and the reason I say we're ready to win, Ricky, uh, at that time we were still trying to find ourselves offensively. We're putting up forty-one points on the Green Bay Packers. But, but, that but bad, you know that what? bad man is back. That bad <laughs> man is back. 
But here's something, guys, I, I do want you to talk about as professional athletes, uh, as coaches who prepare their teams to play. When Dan Campbell came to Detroit, his first press conference, everybody thought he was a joke. Who are these guys hired? He's talking about biting kneecaps and everything. We thought he was another Gacy. What's the guy who <laughs> came with the Jets? Gacy? But you, Isn't that you, the name, Ricky? Huh? What's the guy that came to the to the uh, Jets and everybody thought he was on something with the big eyes? Wasn't it Gacy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but God, he has, got, he has gotten his guys to buy in and play to the best of their ability. I mean, that's really all you can do. What does that say about art and the craft of the coaching profession? Well, you can tell. Like in the in the um, in the preseason uh, show they were on, you could tell that the players trusted him, and he was a down to earth guy. Um, and that, like I like I said, for years now, you know, professional coaches, you got to know your stuff, you got to be held people accountable, and you got to get the respect of your players. Those three things, and he has all three. Yeah, he seems to uh, have changed the men the mentality there. And it's, it's great to see. Um, after Matt Stafford won and won the Super Bowl last year, I was glad to see that, uh, him being a former Detroit Lion. But this year, man, Dan Campbell's done it. I mean, he's right now, what would he be in the city, Ricky? If he went out now, they would have a parade oh, for that young man. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, so he would be a dumb. It's been good to see. I, I'm more got to get out of here, but there's something we can pick up next week. And we need to start looking at some of these trade scenarios because that's going to start roll, coming up on us uh, before you know it. So we're going to get out of here. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Be safe. Be blessed. For Paul Mokeski, Derek Gervin, I'm Rick Hampton. Peace, everybody. Hey, I love you. I love you guys, man. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Have a great night. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.